0: Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Why don't we start with Clay Thompson. Clay is one of my favorites. And if you need to know why that is, just check that press conference answer that I played for you yesterday about him jumping in the bay.
1: Man, that's a great question. Uh, You know the bay? It doesn't matter what time of the year it is. The bay, you know, it can be cold, but when well, it's one of those days where it's in the low 60s and the sun, sun is shining, You, I, I make it a point to jump in the ocean. I just think the ocean has healing properties that a pool might not have or a cold tub, and just to be immersed in nature like that, it just it really makes me happy, and just your whole body feels so great when you get out of that cold water, and it just feel like, Honestly, you just feel a little clo- closer to God when you look up at the beautiful skies, and you are just in the ocean. Like it's a, I'm an Aquarius, so I just have always loved the water my whole life, and it really is my happy place. Besides the hardwood.
0: What a perfect response! And I'm not looking to make light at all of an extremely serious situation, but talking about Deshaun Watson does not make me happy, or make me feel closer to God, or make me feel like a Libra. It's not my happy place. So that's why I want to start with Clay. Like, how many other professional athletes are wired like that and talking like that after a massive win in the NBA Finals? How many other professional athletes are getting all astrological with it after taking a 3-2 lead in the Finals? So yes, I will freely admit it. Clay Thompson is one of my favorites. He has great energy. He's a killer on the floor, but he's cool as hell off it too. I could spend the rest of today's show talking about Clay Thompson. I could. Easily. And it would be fun. And it would be compelling. However, I want to talk about the Clay Thompson look-alike. I'm talking about Dawson Gurley, the alleged fake Clay. This is the guy who got busted on Monday after getting into Chase Center before the game and shooting around for a while before the game. Now, I want to be real. This, to me, is one of the funniest things I've heard in a long time. And I also want to be real. I don't condone a single thing this guy did. I just think that everything this guy did is hilarious. This guy, this dude, this dude shows up at the arena in Warriors gear, like game time gear, rocking a Warrior sweatshirt and a headband, and they just let him waltz right in like big game clay. Like, how you doing, my brother? Let's do this. He was allowed into the building dressed in a gamer, like in his game fit. He goes through a security screening. He makes his way to the floor, and he starts getting up shots. Fake Clay was on the real floor. Fake Clay got onto the real floor, and nobody stopped him. So, Clay lookalike is on the floor before an NBA Finals game just getting shots up. At this point, I'm more impressed with the fake Clay than I am the real Clay. And I already told you the real Clay is one of my all time favorites. Like, I know Clay's a different cat, but does he really show up to the arena wearing his full uniform and headband? Even for Clay, who's a different cat, is that a normal thing? Like, I know it's a big game. I know you want to be locked in. But who's rocking a headband, jersey, shorts, and basketball kicks when they arrive at the arena hours before the game? Again, Clay's a different breed, but he's not that different. But that's not stopping fake Clay slash actual legend. Nah, this dude is working it and he's selling it. Fake clay, fake clay goes right through security, putting his personal items in a plastic tub and sending them through the scanner while he walks right through a metal detector. Again, some dude off the street in warrior's gear who sort of, sort of looks like clay, but not really. And people are buying it and not drunk morons in a bar across the street but actual arena employees, people who know Clay, people who should know a hell of a lot better. And again, can I be clear about this? This guy showed up to the game in game gear with a headband, and he's walking around like he owns the place, just some fake, some imposter. This dude heads down the hallway and heads up onto the court, sets his stuff down on courtside seats, and starts getting up shots. So he starts off by going to the bucket and attempting a layup. And again, so we're clear, with respect, homeboy does not look like he's in NBA shape. Now, I know Clay is coming back from an ACL, and I know Clay is also coming back from a shredded Achilles. I know that Clay may not be all the way back, but can you give the guy some bleeping credit? I mean, for real, he's an elite athlete, he's in crazy shape. He doesn't need to be rolling around in an oversized hoodie with the hood up to hide his non-NBA physique. Like, I don't want to visually indict a dude, especially a guy that I like, fake clay, based on a video. But I don't know how that guy or that guy's workout regimen or his approach to nutrition and rest and recovery or whether he's about the cold plunges in the bay. But I'm pretty certain... As much as I like fake clay, fake clay ain't giving real Steve Kerr 40 minutes tomorrow night in Boston. Hell, my dude doesn't look like he could give them 40 seconds in a rec league. What I'm saying is fake clay looking like real clay is a real insult to real clay. Driving by this guy on the freeway at 90 miles per hour... Maybe you make that mistake. But not if you're within 90 feet of the guy. But because Clay is a different cat, everybody just lets it slide. Fake Silk can't believe how good fake Clay is. Come on! Fake, fake Silk is blown away by fake Clay. I mean, to his credit, in the footage, the guy actually makes a few shots. But he also airballs a layup. Now, I know teammates like to clown Clay for not dunking, but real Clay is not airballing a layup against air. So eventually, fake Clay gets busted. Somehow, somebody realized that real Clay doesn't look like that, and then fake Clay gets hit with a letter banning him from Chase Center, and maybe for life. He tweeted, quote, Banned because I walked past five layers of security guards who willingly let me through security without asking for an ID, and I shot around on the court for 10 minutes. I also spent 10 k for tickets, which they are not refunding. Why should I be banned because their security is incompetent? End of quote. All fair questions. Here's a better question: Why are you dropping ten grand on tickets when you're Clay Thompson? You're Clay freaking Thompson, man. You probably arrived by boat for the game, and you're looking to get up some shots just so you can get loose. You don't need to pay ten grand to be in that arena. You belong in the arena. You don't pay to be at the arena; they pay you to be at the arena. And then he followed that up later with, and I'm very disappointed to hear this, he chased that with, I'm being contacted by a lot of news organizations to do interviews. As of now, I will not be doing any. Don't want to make this a bigger deal than it is. The Chase Center has every right to ban me. I get it. No hard feelings. Had fun doing it. This dude's great. Can you imagine what those 10 minutes must have been like? Fake clay on the real hardwood, during the NBA Finals, getting shots up. So awesome. Like, even fake Clay is legit cool. Even fake Clay has almost the real Clay energy. He's not fighting it. He knows their right to ban him. In other words, even fake Clay is cool. The realest thing about fake Clay is that he has real Clay energy. Let me tell you something. I can bottom line this. And wasn't it such a good idea to start with this and not Deshaun Watson? Credit to the real Jim Rome. The thing about Clay, like not all heroes wear capes, all right? Some come in warriors game time gear, an oversized warrior sweatshirt, and a headband. Hello, James Kelly. I got an idea for you, James Kelly. Maybe hey hello James Kelly. Maybe after the show, maybe you can head to New York and go fake USS Intrepid, James Kelly. You can bump around the city docks, you know, kind of float around. And then people will be like, Hey, is that the USS Intrepid? I've never seen it up so close. I didn't know it could walk. I didn't know they moved that thing around. You know you know you know, and then have a couple of fighter jets. Land on you, thinking that you are the real USS Intrepid. Let the hotshot pilots do some illegal flybys and have these old-school commanders spill coffee, hot coffee, all over themselves. Get saluted by some majors and generals. And then when finally one guy figures it out, get your ass banned from the entire Hudson River when the real USS Intrepid sees you. Hey, hey! Hey! I am the real USS Intrepid. That deck is fake. And then they'll hit you with a letter. Dear James Kelly, you are banned from the Hudson River. You are banned. There it is. If you're watching on CBS Sports Network, we cut the screen in half. Yeah, I know. He like the fake clay. Looks like the real clay. The fake... So hyped up, it's hard to get out. Look at it. Look at the... Split screen. He looks just like it. You could see where people would mistake you do for the USS Intrepid. Why do you not think that's funny? You know why? Because it's accurate. People trying to land on your head. But look out. Look out, James. Here comes up Maverick. The fake USS Intrepid, James Kelly. Hey, what's going on? Welcome back. See, now, was that not a good idea? Was that not a better way to start the program than going with more accusers, going with more civil suits? I will get to Deshaun Watson. I'm not saying that it's not important. It actually was way more important than that. Just way more disturbing than that. That was fun. And that's not not important. Fake Clay. Dude, Props. You're funny dude. Real Clay is funny, and fake Clay is almost as funny. 1-800-636-8686. Again, normally I've got no need and no time for celebrity impersonators. They're knobs. I just have never thought that's funny. However, this dude walking right through and getting down on the floor and getting up shots is incredible. It's one thing for these idiots, you know, the fake jackos, the fake clays, the fake whatever, walking around town, showing up at parties, getting paid a couple hundred bucks, signing autographs, that's one thing. But for this dude to walk right through the facility and get on the floor and start getting shots up is amazing. I mean, that is funny. That is really funny. And then, by the way, knowing Clay and how much trouble Clay has throwing it down, if this guy did miss a couple of dunks and warm-ups, who would have thought anything of it? We saw Clay in that attempted dunk in China, right, and how badly that went for him. Like anybody would think anything of it. You know how they would know it's a fake Clay if he actually got up and threw one down? And I love Clay. Love Clay.
1: Trade pros. Whether you specialize in service or new construction, Ferguson knows firsthand how much work goes into a long day on the job, which is why we're committed to offering the products and solutions to get every job done right. With over a thousand locations, an unmatched selection of specialty products, tools, and supplies, our pro pickup and same or next day delivery, you can trust that doing business with Ferguson will be the easiest part of your hard day's work. Visit ferguson.com to find a counter location near you.
0: And it goes without saying, he is a very good friend of the program. He is Rex Hoggard. Great to have you back. Rex, how are you? Um, Awesome.
2: Major season, back on Rome. Love it.
0: That's it. You nailed it. Exactly. Major season, back on Rome. You know, Rex, a lot has happened since you and I last spoke. Most of the action, though, away from the course, as somebody who has covered this sport for a long, long time, what has the last week, really, Rex, the last few months been like for you?
2: Uh, Surreal. I I don't think I've ever seen everyone on the same page, especially uh, take this week, for example. It's a major championship. It's the U.S. Open. We've had these conversations enough times. Normally, in in normal times, I would be talking about the golf course and what players to watch, and players are complaining about the grass is too long or the greens are too fast or whatever the case may be, and it's none of that. It's all about live golf. It's all about who's playing on the Saudi back tour. It's all about who's staying with the PGA Tour, and I've just never seen it sort of dominate the conversation the way it's dominating the conversation as you pointed out really the last two or three months
0: right now we'll talk about the track we'll talk about the tournament but to this topic at hand a few months back for instance Rex Rory McIlroy said that he thought that the live threat was over he was asked yesterday what changed he said quote I guess I took a lot of players statements at face value I guess that's what I got wrong end of quote what's your reaction to that statement and who do you think that it was directed towards
2: I think it's pretty clear. It was directed to Dustin Johnson. It was directed to Bryson DeChambeau. It was directed to Patrick Reed, the players who, at the time in February, I mean, go back to February. We were in Los Angeles. We were at Tigers events, and it seemed like this was coming to a head. It seemed like the battle lines had clearly been drawn between those players who at least had an interest in live golf and those who were loyal to the PGA Tour, and that's when everything seemed to unravel. Bill Mickelson was quoted in the story on the Fire Collective website being critical of both the PGA Tour and live golf. It seems like the backlash was so loud at that point in time. You had all of these top players who suddenly came out publicly and said, Nope, I'm with the PGA Tour. Dustin being one of them, Bryson being the other. And Roy's comments yesterday was a direct shot, which is odd in golf. You don't have that. Maybe inside the locker room away from the cameras, but you don't see shots fired like that, not in public. And that's what this has created. This has created something that I've never seen in golf, and I don't know that it's ever existed in this sport because, again, this week it's just like it was in Los Angeles. You know exactly who's on one side and who's on the other. I asked Billy Horschel yesterday, is it weird going to the locker room? And he said it's so odd because he was talking to Richard Bland, who was played on the Live Golf event last week. And he goes, normally I would ask him, you know, how was it last week? And he goes, I went to ask and I thought, I don't care. I don't want to know. And I probably shouldn't know. So he just kept walking. You get an idea of where we're at.
0: Rex Hoggard is joining us. It's so interesting. Like, Rory obviously has taken on that role of being one of the primary defenders of the PGA Tour. Another one of the Tour's staunch defenders, Justin Thomas, Rex, said this, quote, The best players in the world need to be here. But at the same time, I don't necessarily want guys to be able to do both. It's a tough spot to be in. End of quote. So my question is this, do you get the sense that Thomas and the other PGA Tour golfers are fine if guys want to play for a different tour, but they do not like the idea of guys trying to get the perks of playing in the PGA Tour while also playing someplace else?
2: I think JT, uh, along with Rory, and, and a lot of the players who have remained on the PGA Tour side, they understand the position this is putting the tour in. And I thought Justin probably said it best earlier this week in that interview when he said, this just makes me sad. Because everything I grew up wanting to do, be on the PGA Tour, win major championships, play on Ryder Cup teams, all of that's in jeopardy because of a handful of players and what they've chosen to do. And for him, it's very personal. And I think John Rahm kind of echoed those comments. I I think the problem that most of these players are having, and Rory probably voiced this in the quote that you just read, is that these players want both. And the way that PGA Tour is currently structured, the way the hierarchy and hard it happened oh
0: hey Rex Rex hit your Dana White music James Kelly James Kelly's like yeah I'm looking for that we're talking to Rex Hoggard and then we weren't and we will once again and he's laying out what it's like right now with the live tour and the PGA tour and how the players are trying to make this thing work. I thought that John Rom was unbelievable in the statements he made. I think Rory has been really impressive to me in the statements that he's made. Justin Thomas made it pretty clear when he said, quote, the best players in the world need to be here. But at the same time, I don't necessarily want guys to be able to do both. It's a tough spot to be in. I've been
1: you how
0: oh, thanks, James. Where'd to get that in the same day, James. All right, Rex, I lost you for a moment, so why don't you finish that thought? You were talking about, well, you know what you were talking about. Go ahead.
2: I, I, was, I was on a roll. Yeah, I, you I were. It, it gives you an idea where golf is at the moment, that you have a group of players who do want it both ways. And to a certain extent, I think most can understand that they're independent contract. And there's probably nothing wrong with them wanting to play less and get paid more. The problem from JT's perspective and others, other top players is that they understand under the, ter- under the current landscape, It's just not going to work out. The PGA Tour and Live Golf, it's hard to imagine a scenario where they can coexist.
0: Rex Hoggard is joining us. Rex, you mentioned the Ryder Cup, so what about that? What is the relationship between Live Golf and the Ryder Cup? Will those players be eligible for the Ryder Cup?
2: I actually reached out to the PGA of America last week when the PGA Tour announced the suspension. So the players who did play in the Live Golf event are suspended indefinitely. Uh, the PGA Tour announced that last week, and I asked the PGA of America how that would impact their status, and it still remains to be seen because the Ryder Cup's a year and a half away, more or less, and I think they want to sit and watch and see how this all plays out because right now, and Mike Lawn, the CEO of the USGA, said just this afternoon in a press conference that they're looking at this as an exhibition right now, so they don't know if this is going to become a full-fledged tour, a tour and a legitimate threat to the PGA Tour and the hierarchy that you have in golf right now. But there is, and I mentioned John Rahm's comments, there is a scenario where Phil Mickelson, who was going to be a lock as a future Ryder Cup captain for the U.S. team, never gets that opportunity. There's a future where Sergio Garcia or Lee Westwood or Ian Poulter never get their turns as Ryder Cup captains or as players. Again, that's also sad as well
0: hey rex we'll see how it plays out but if live golfers ultimately are banned from majors how much less appealing would live golf be for the best players in the world
2: i think for the vast majority of players right now who and i had this conversation with richard bland he's an englishman he's 49 years old he realizes i'm past my prime i'm not going to contend in another major championship for that for that group of players who have reached a certain age and i think it's fair to put Bill in that category it's probably not game changer. It's not going to be make or break. It's not going to be the deciding factor. Where this is going to impact is them getting younger players. And I've contended all along and we saw it last week in the first Live Golf event. They're going to try to pick off the best college golfers one at a time each year and try to build their tour that way. However, if you tell the college golfers there's no way for you to ever play in a major championship again, I'm pretty sure most of them are going to say it doesn't matter how much money you're going to give me. It's not working.
0: Hey Rex, Brooks Koepke got pretty testy yesterday when it came up. And his brother's already there. How do you think that he's gonna handle this? Can you see him going there?
2: I can't see him going there and again, you get the idea of who's on one side, who's on the other, and, and Brooks has been clearly been linked to Live Golf and he would seem to be in that category of players that they would go after he's in the same kind of camp as Dustin Johnson. That being said, I, I don't think he said anything that other players every other player and caddy and official and even members of the media don't feel. You feel like there's a fatigue out there because this is all we're getting asked about. It's all we're writing about. It's all we're talking about. So I think there was a, you know, an aggravation there that was genuine. Him trying to pin that on the media is wildly far-fetched because I don't think the media is the one that's created this. If you want to pin it on anyone, pin it on Live Goff. They created this.
0: I agree, Rex. I, I'm a huge Brooks Koepka guy, but I was not a huge fan of him trying to blame the media for this. I understand there's some fatigue. Look, I understand that you and I just spent the entire interview talking about that. I get that, too. You and I normally don't do that. But normally, this does not happen in this sport. This is very different. Really quickly, then, what about the tournament itself? It starts tomorrow. You've got the course at the Country Club in Brookline. What kind of a golfer does this course favor this week?
2: I think it'll lean towards more of a wide array of golfers. Where it was brought up in the USGA press conference a little while ago about kind of the last seven U.S. Open winners have all kind of been bombers. You know, like the last year with Sean Rum and certainly Bryson DeChambeau before that at, at Wingfoot. And I don't feel like Brookline, the country club here, is that type of test. I, I would equate it to Jason Gore works at the USGA, and I went to Finway last night to watch a game. And I said, this feels like Finway. This feels like it's intimate and I don't want to say small, but it feels like it's all right there out in front of you. And I think that was the equation, uh, that was the comparison that he liked so much. It's not going to be a bomber's paradise. You're going to have to hit your ball very, very well. And I think what people are going to see on TV, if you like golf, you're going to like this golf course.
0: Hey, Rex, give me somebody not named Rory or JT that you like this week.
2: I think Willis Torres is a good pick. And I don't know. That's hardly a dark horse. And I know that's almost chalk at this point because he's played so well, uh, but he had sort of that air to him early in his career, kind of Brooks early in his career, where he just seemed to play his best golf at the major championships, and this one has him written all over it.
0: All right, so aside from that, would you go chalk? Do you like Rory? Do you like JT? I,
2: I, full disclosure, I went with Rory on the website, and I'm not 100% convinced. I, I don't love that pick, only because he won last week, and I don't know about back to back. Only Tiger Woods was, was good at that, and that was at the height of his career. Wing picked a lot out of you. I don't know that John Robb is putting well enough right now, but certainly he's a good enough ball striker. And I feel like Scotty Scheffler, who has been dominant this season, but he's cooled off a little bit. So you get the idea that you're going to have the normal cast of characters up towards the top. And, again, I'm going to lean into Rory because I like the way his game is playing out right now. But it could probably be 10 guys late Sunday afternoon with a chance to win
0: pretty happy that i asked i think that i already hit all three of those guys that you discredited i should have asked you first rex hoggard is golfchannel.com senior writer he is co-host of the golf central podcast he is rex number seven and he is always here for us rex great job as always really appreciate that thank you so much have a great weekend thank you jim appreciate it hey now are you craving some protein after a good workout do not make a shake do not eat a bar reach for a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty. It's tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire, and it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying that way. Look for it in major retail stores near you and clones. If you don't see it, just ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper, what is your beef? Now I'm going to try and do multiple player profiles daily if I have to, starting with this guy. One of the most dominant and decorated smack runners in the history of the program gets the treatment right now. I'm talking about the OG GOAT. I'm talking, of course, about Shawnee. Shawnee the Cablan Now, if you do not know Sean, it's possible. He is an OG, the OG GOAT. If you don't know him, straight up, listen up. Right now, because he is a straight-up jungle legend. The back of his trading card says it all. Five straps, two runner-ups, ten times, ten times in the top four. He has never finished worse than seventh in 13 main events. These are absurd stats. Absurd stats. Nobody, not even the BIC himself, has a smack-off resume like Shawnee. Essentially, Sean was Brad before Brad was even calling the program. There's an entire generation of clones who will always hold Sean up on that giant smack pedestal as the greatest to ever do it. And you know what? I really don't push back on that. There's a strong argument for that. Because ever since his first smack-off, this dude has been an enormous problem for every other clone in the jungle. And if you're wondering... What that very first Shawnee smack-off call sounded like all the way back. Now we are headed for Smack Off 28, a week from Friday. This is Shawnee back in Smack Off number four. This is Sean, the Nation's debut smack-off call in the fourth edition. 1998, fourth annual smack-off. Gotta keep this thing moving along. Biggest day of the year in the jungle. Hope you're keeping score at home. Hope you took the day off. All right, let's go to it. We go to the Cablan Asian. Sean in Houston.
3: Rome, it is a privilege to be included in the biggest radio extravaganza of the year. Now, you know, Rome, in my time as a jungle dweller, it's like going to school. I've learned a lot. I mean, just in the last year... I've learned things like all Utah callers have the personality of a dish rag. I've learned that there is a part of me that really does want to eat the other half of the sandwich. And I've learned that John Candy is alive and well and living in Youngstown under the alias J in Town. Now, here in H-Town, Jim, smack has basically become our third professional sport. And the only downside is a smack runner that I see to it, the paychecks aren't quite as nice as, say, baseball or basketball. I mean, I've called this show dozens of times in the last year, and I have yet to get a W-2 from Premier Radio. And I have yet to find a 1040 form that has a place for me to claim Metrics, Nutrition Packs and Cartons of War Blast or DirecTV t-shirts as compensation.
0: Amazing throwback to the 90s jungle. Metrics, Incredible. So Sean takes fourth in that debut main event, by the way. Then he chased that by ripping his first strap one year later.
3: In this topsy-turvy world where the president can treat an intern like a blow-up doll while he's got Boris Yeltsin on speakerphone and still keep his job, where a team will guarantee Tony Martin a six-figure salary, even if he goes to prison, there are two constants that I know, Jim. One, the only way that Shaq gets his name on both sides of the forum is with a can of spray paint and a ladder. And two, I know that from 11 to 3 central time every day, I'm going to be entertained. The influence of your show, frankly, Jim, has been felt not only in your time slot, quite honestly, it's spilled over into the others. I mean, before your show came on down here, Jim, the typical call to the local afternoon show went something like, yeah, Candy, first-time caller. I was wondering if Mike Hampton is a ear or righty, and I'll hang up and listen. Now, Jim, thanks to the jungle, the typical call to the local afternoon show goes something like, uh, "Yeah, Candy, first-time caller. I was wondering if Mike Hampton is left or righty, and I'll hang up and listen. I'm out." Yeah, major improvement, Jim. The next really get it down here.
0: The next really get it down here. It's been 23 years. 23 years since that winning call. And Sean is still as much of a threat to the field now as he was back then. Stucknut, as an example, has him the third choice at 4-1 to to win strap number six a week from Friday. A strap he would absolutely already have had he not disappeared for 12 years. Right after completing the first and only three-peat in the history of the smack-off, he then went off on his own. Now, Sean could have easily walked off and stayed away on the strength of that three-peat, but my dude made his dram- dramatic return at smack-off 25. And he came back throwing hands at a new generation of callers that he had never sparred with before. I didn't even realize that he knew these people even existed.
3: Hey, uh, props to Jeff in Southfield for being the first caller to make it through his entire call while undergoing electroshock therapy. Dude, why do you talk like that? When you get friends someday, that's going to be a big problem for them. Dodger vigilante Twitter is bad, Jim, but not nearly as bad as smack-off ramp-up Twitter. Opening Twitter the last two weeks has been like when I had to go to the mailbox while I was getting divorced. There's nothing good in there. It's like lawyer bill, lawyer bill, debt collector, tweet from Matt in L.A., Oh my God, this Mac guy, this rambling moron who's addicted to hashtags and allergic to punctuation. Dude, you're the worst. I wish there was a feature on Twitter where I could just give you 50 cents to go away like a homeless person. I'll give Brad and Corona credit. You wake up, you call in, and you be the biggest tool you can possibly be. Pfizer, cigar, shades, shirtless avatar. Checks all the boxes on the douche list. I'm guessing Brad and Corona's favorite category on Pornhub is Brad and Corona.
0: I mean, so good. I actually absolutely reveled in Shawnee coming back after all that time and knowing the new breed clones and just lighting them on fire. So that was good enough for fourth with that comeback call. Pretty damn good off a 12-year hiatus. Wait for it. Another horse racing analogy. When a horse takes 12 months off, they generally do not run fourth when they come back, much less 12 years. Then again, that is Sean. He was pretty damn good back in the day and pretty damn good in the main event when he made his return. And even better, last year at Smack Off 27, he got back up on the podium with a third-place finish for a
3: creative roast of himself. As for the rest of you, there's really nothing you can say about me that's going to bother me. He's bald. He's fat. He's on his second marriage. He's got the testosterone level of a teenage girl. I'm reminded of all of those things every day that I'm on the radio because I've done what every middle-aged morning drive host in a capitalist society should do. I have turned all my flaws into endorsement money. My fatness, my baldness, my earth-shaking snoring, my microscopic testosterone level, I have turned them all into sponsors and a bunch of money bag emojis. You asshats. My flaws are putting my kids through college. I win. And my hope is that this inspires all of you to do the same.
0: Got that, asshats? Shawnee can run smack with the best. He has no weaknesses in his game. Well, I mean, he's got a lot of weaknesses. He just pointed them out. But he weaponized them. He monetized them. The guy's almost untouchable. Consistent as hell, which is why he's won the thing five times. He has never finished worse than seventh. Everybody else's best day might get them a seventh. His worst day ever, netted him seventh. Easy to see why, and I'm not sure he will. I've not gotten the official RSVP. But I think highly enough of this guy and his game that I'm doing this even without an assurance or an RSVP. If he were to call next Friday, he could easily run down and tie the BIC by ripping belt number six.
3: 1998 was the first time... I was invited to the smack off and here I am, three kids, two marriages and five titles later in this never ever gets old. Bobby in Brooklyn, where I come from, Baba. we have a word for someone in New York City who speaks good English, okay? A visitor. Who's the best-looking Van Gundy brother? And by the way, if your brother looks like Ron Jeremy and you're considered the ugly one, maybe time to get that face transplant, Jeff. Otis, my man, you're a pretty good caller already, but I got to tell you, when you finally learn to speak English, dude, you're going to be unstoppable. I took a torch that was passed by my predecessors' names like Detola and Iafredi and D'ITOLA and I afraid he. What the hell are you, Stacey, going to be able to teach NBA players, right? All he did was get drunk and lick a few co-eds. The average NBA player was doing that at, like, age three. I hate people who say that Brian Cashman has the hardest job in sports. People think his job is hard because he looks like he has two chocolate-covered donuts around his eyes and because he has this perpetual look on his face like he just saw CC Sabathia getting out of the shower. I mean, Cashman's job is more unbearable than having to sit next to Digger Phelps for two hours a night. Reese Davis would probably beg to differ. The champ is here. I win more than anybody because I am the best at this. Always have been. Always will be.
0: He may be right. Shawnee, the Calvin Asian, the OG GOAT, maybe the actual GOAT, the first jungle dynasty, the very definition of a dude with a lifetime invite to the event. Still great to have you back, Shawnee. Would love, love to hear from you on the 24th. And now a message from Discover about rewards. If you are a loyal credit card customer, you should be rewarded for your loyalty, preferably with something that's useful, like cashback match, for instance. Discover matches all the cashback that you have earned at the end of your first year. Finally, rewards that make sense. Discover exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com/match. Limitations do apply. He is Darius Butler. Darius, what's going on? How are you?
4: I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me back, Jim.
0: Dude, always good to talk to you. DB, always good to talk to you. Let me talk to you first about Terry McLaurin. I want to start there because I know how much you respect him, and I've got tremendous respect for him as well, not only as a player, but the way he handles himself, the way he goes about his business. Before we get into his contractual situation, let me get your perspective. What do you see when you watch him play?
4: Oh, man, he gives you everything you want at the receiver position. Obviously, um, speed, he's physical. Um, and most importantly, I think what he does best, what separates him a lot from the pack, is uh, that moment of truth. Everybody talks about it. Um, Steve Smith was another guy who was great at it. Once that ball's up in the air, you got to go up and high point and get it, and that's what Terry McLaurin does um, better than almost anybody in the league. And he's done it. He's done it with the revolving door at quarterback. You know, hasn't haven't necessarily had a great quarterback throwing the ball year in, year out, week in, week out. But whoever's in there, whoever's calling the plays, uh, Terry produces.
0: So, Darius, you broke that down perfectly, like not only in saying what he can do, but in terms of the numbers, he's averaged more than 70 receptions and a thousand yards since arriving in the league. And he's done it while catching passes from eight different guys in three years. That tells you all you need to know about him. So, like, I feel like I'm this guy's agent, but despite everything he's done and the way the receiver market, Darius, has gone this offseason – I mean, they're still not getting a deal done with him, and they don't seem like they're in any hurry to either. Why do you think that is?
4: I mean, it's ludicrous. It, it makes zero sense. Uh, but the only reason it makes any sense at all is because it's the Washington Commanders. And, and it's like, you know, they they hired Jason right there a couple of years ago to obviously try to turn that thing around. Uh, but, the you know, it, it's just been absolutely crazy. I don't know why you wouldn't. Because it's the guy that, not only what he does on the field, but in the locker room, voted the captain. I believe in his second year as a wide receiver, which is you know almost unheard of. Uh, he, he's obviously a guy you want to build your culture around. You, I'm rooting for him to get shipped out of there, shipped right back to Indy, back home. I would love to have him in our building since they obviously don't appreciate him. And uh, even him with him not showing up, you know, to many mandatory minicamp, that's a big deal, especially for a guy like him who's you know mild mannered, doesn't really want to rock the boat much. But, I mean, he deserves his money. You've seen how crazy the wide receiver market has been this all season, And uh, he wants his money, rightfully so.
0: Dude, I don't get it at all. He is an amazing player and a better guy and a better leader and perfect in any locker room. It makes no sense to me at all. How do you think he would look and fit and feel with the Colts? I mean, how awesome would that be?
4: Man, I would love it. And it would be a perfect match for for a lot of reasons. Um, Number one, you know, we have the money. You know, Jim Mercy has made it clear um, that he's all in and he, he wants a, a contender. He wants a Super Bowl. And you see there has been an arms race, especially in the AFC. And uh, obviously we went out and we moved on from Carson Wentz, which we shipped to the commanders. Come on, do us a favor, ship us talent back. But uh, we, shipped him, we moved on from Carson Wentz, got Matt Ryan, who I think is, is an upgrade. But he's an accurate quarterback from the pocket. That's where he's going to be. He's a 37-year-old quarterback. And you need guys on the outside that can win matchups. And that can produce at a high level, and that are already proven it in this league. We have Michael Pittman Jr., who is well on his way to being a great receiver in this league. We also have Paris Campbell, who can you know if he can stay healthy, he can be a guy. Um, we just drafted Alex Pierce out of the um, out of Cincinnati, but Terry McLaurin will be like that number one guy. And um, you know Matt Ryan, he may be there for another year or so, but I think we'll be right back in the quarterback market, most likely in the draft. So you'll have a quarterback, you know, with a team-friendly deal where you can afford a big-time wide receiver that's probably going to make it north to $20 million. Um, It just makes too much sense for too many reasons. And not to mention, he's a Hoosier. He's from Indiana. So, I mean, it makes so much sense in so many ways. So, I'm pitching him. I want him there. But uh, wherever he ends up playing ball, he deserves some money, and I think he'll get it.
0: Darius Butler joining us. One more thought about that, and I know I'm hammering that point. But Jim Marissa has made it really, really clear he would like to get back to a Super Bowl. If you could get Terry McLaurin, would that make them a legitimate Super Bowl contender this year?
4: I think it will, um, because that's the, in my opinion, the glaring weakness um, to that offense is the wide receiver room. And you have talent, but, um, you know, talent and production, those are two very, very different things, especially in the NFL. And there is, there are no question marks with Terry McClellan. We know who he is and what he is in this league. And I know uh, Matt Ryan will love him. And we'll, we'll love him probably even more than Jonathan Taylor, because right now, with the offense as constructed, he's probably going to be seeing a lot of heavy boxes to try to stop him, you know, coming back off of a season where he led the league in a scrimmage yard. So if you have that that type of weapon, Terry, that's going to allow Pittman to develop even more. We have some young guys at tight end. Mo'Ali Cox is still developing there. we got a rookie there. Uh, Naheem Hines will be more involved in the passing game out of the backfield. So I think it would be great on offense. We made some great moves on defense. I think we'll be fine there bringing in uh, with Gus, uh, Gus Bradley and the guys that we have running that defense. Um, but I think that yeah, Terry McLaurin move will be outstanding. It's something that's kind of slept on is the additions we made to the coaching staff this year. Like, we made some good picks, and Chris Ballard always does his thing there. But the coaching staff, Reggie Wayne, Mike Mitchell, Cato June, these are guys that have played hundreds of games, literally over 400 starts, between those guys in this league. So they're going to be passing along a lot of knowledge to those meeting rooms.
0: Darius Butler, passing along a lot of knowledge, joining us once again. Darius, so Tyreek Hill was talking about Patrick Mahomes versus Tua on his podcast the other day. He said, quote, I'm going to go with 15 as the strongest arm, but as far as accuracy-wise, I'm going with Tua all day, end of quote. Listen, Darius, I know you're a huge Dolphins guy, but what do you make of that comment? Is that just a guy hyping his new quarterback, or do you believe that he believes what he's saying?
4: Hey, you gotta hype it. You know, you know, Jim, when you went to a different network, you gotta hype that network like it's the best network out there and available. And that's what you gotta do with your new quarterback. And I'm sure Tua loves it because he's kinda gotten, I would say, almost the exact opposite, you know, from the organization and from the people that cover uh, the Dolphins, you know, people always hey, From
1: "You passed Twitter. up on
4: Herbert." You passed up on Herbert. You passed up on Herbert. It's so, all, you know, it was, it was the Watson rumors. It was just always something with Tool. But he's going into a season healthy. He's got a new play caller, new head coach. You got the one of the highest-paid uh, players at the receiver position in the league, and he's coming in and singing your praises. I don't care if it's true. I don't care how uh, bananas it sounds. To everybody else, when you got your guy that got his back. You got to love that. And you see it, it's, it's, you know, Tua, Tua loves it. You can see he's even talking a little different in his press conferences when he's speaking on himself. So I'm excited. Um, the the Dolphins down here, we're excited. We got a quarterback. And we got some play calls. We got some weapons on offense. So I love it from Tyreek.
0: You know, to that point, Darius, he's not the only one doing it. For instance, you've got Devontae Adams and he's been hyping Derek Carr during the off season. I know they go way back. I know they have a relationship. How do you see that partnership going this year?
4: Man, that, that's, I'm, that's probably the one I'm most excited about is Devontae Adams going out there um, to Vegas because, you know, you can put a lot of talent together. So I'll be interested to see you know, how Tyreek Hill and Cedric Wilson and Jalen Waddle work. You know, speed guys, how you're going to move them around, where are they going to be on the field. Uh, in Las Vegas, <laughs> these guys are perfectly slotted. You got one of the best by a top two receiver on the outside. You got Hunter Renfro in the slot who's probably top two there. And then you got Darren Waller, who wouldn't surprise anybody if he was a top two to three tight end in the league this year. So uh, you still got Jacob in the backfield. But uh, Derek Carr, I mean, he has an arsenal at his disposal. And then you got a head coach, you know, Josh McDaniels, who is still some little beef there with me and him. But he's he's a fantastic play caller. So all the things, all the all the ducks are in a row for uh, Las Vegas. And uh, I, I like how that group of talent fits. You know, it's not only about talent. Once again, it's production at different points in the field. Like, who are you going to double on third down? Red area. So I'm excited about Derek Carr and the weapons that he has.
0: So Derek, so you... We reconcile that like you think you and he will ever have a sit down and say, hey, man, that's just kind of what, da- what went down at that time. Or are you going to hold yeah. on to that? Because you're not a guy who runs on that kind of fuel generally, right? I'm
4: not. You know, I'm I'm a positive guy. You positive, are. You know, you know what's sure, we'll squash. Probably by the time this season kicks off, I'll be over it. But, uh, you yeah, know, I'm root for everybody. I'm also root for Josh McDermott. This is his second time around getting the head coach, head coaching job. I was actually a part of the Patriots and that Broncos team that he had that beat us. So it's probably where the beach started. But I'm rooting for Josh McDaniels, rooting for those Raiders. And like you said, that's not the fuel I run on. So, hey, you know what? It's squashed right here on the gym rooms. It's squashed right now right here. We're moving forward. by guys or by guys. Not
0: not that I didn't know this already, but Darius, you're all class. I appreciate that. I think that (laughs) – I appreciate that very much. Listen, really quickly, we're less than 90 days from the start of the NFL season. You know, Darius, it's going to happen really fast. It's coming quickly. I mean, a lot can happen between now and then, but I think the clock is spinning fast. If you had to call your shot right now, who's going to win the Super
4: Bowl and why? Man, you know, I I called my shot probably when free agency started, once – uh. Tom Telesco start willing and deal. You got Khalil Mack in that building. You went inside J.C. Jackson, who I thought was the best corner on the market this offseason, and didn't break the bank, didn't reset the market there. You still got Justin Herbert, who's my favorite quarterback in the league um, going forward. So I'm going to Chargers. I locked them in. I bet on it. Uh, I got them at plus 1,600 uh, for a futures bet to win the Super Bowl, and, and I've been warned that this is a team that gets a lot of these bets around this time of year, but I've been on this Herbert – Uh, to let's go Staley bandwagon for a year now, and I'm going to ride this train, man. So I'm going Los Angeles Chargers. If I had to make a pick right now today, uh, they figured it out, and they're going a magical run to the Super Bowl. I'll
0: tell you what, I'm not not against that at all. In fact, my guy, the big head James Kelly, we were doing it. We do it once a week on our show. He hit them at plus 2,500, so I see you working. We love them. We love them, but – I love that division. I love the Raiders, too. I love the Buffalo Bills. There's a lot going on. Darius, really quickly, you're a big NBA guy. We know this. How are the finals treating you so far from a betting standpoint?
4: Oh, not great. Not great from a betting standpoint because, you know, I'm a, I'm a Steph Curry guy. And, I'm, and, and if I got any chance, I'm probably going to bet against the Celtics. And the Celtics, they've been bouncing back after every loss. Um, and they, they this was the last time that they lost two games in a row, this game five. But I think game six. They figure out a way to, to push this to Game 7. So they'll, they'll win it tomorrow, I think, in the Garden. But uh, it, it's been fun to watch, you know, just the back and forth, the up and down. So it's been great to watch Steph Curry do his thing. And Andrew Wiggins, he was he was an X-Factor going into this series that I thought. He's been playing just at a different pace, playing hard on both ends of the court. He's obviously extremely athletic. But uh, I, I think the, the Warriors will end up winning it at home in Game 7. But the Boston Celtics, they'll find a way to make it and force a game seven by winning the game six.
0: It dude, really it has quickly,
4: would you? great. Ben, really, I'll tell you that right now. Tim.
0: Really, I'm trying to get in really quickly. I don't want you to go. Would you take them plus three and a half in game six, Golden State?
4: Oh, You know what? No, nah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't because, okay. you know, Tatum's been struggling. Browns are struggling. Uh, and honestly, you know, Boston hasn't been playing great at home, but I think it'll be so much energy, so much juice in that building for this game six.
1: Trade pros, whether you specialize in service or new construction, Ferguson knows firsthand how much work goes into a long day on the job, which is why we're committed to offering the products and solutions to get every job done right. With over a 1,000 locations, an unmatched selection of specialty products, tools, and supplies, our pro pickup and same or next day delivery, you can trust that doing business with Ferguson will be the easiest part of your hard day's work. Visit ferguson.com to find a counter location near you.
0: We do it once a week. We do it on Wednesdays. You can beef about anything you want. Anything goes. I do not care. As long as it's airworthy. But in terms of subject matter and topics, it does not matter. Sports, non-sports, family, friends, work, social, anything. Anything. And you can do it with a call. You can do it with a tweet. You can do it with an email. Phone number is 1-800-636-8686. Email rome, r o m e, at haveatake.com. Twitter, follow me at Jim Rome. This guy is going to set the tone. Let's see what we got. Rome boy. My beef is with parents that don't discipline their kids on the airplane. It's bad enough. I'm probably still hungover. I had to be up at 3 a.m. for my 8 a.m. flight. I get absolutely robbed at the ticket window with bags and tickets. Can you please keep your toddler from screaming at the top of their lungs because they can't have soda for breakfast and treating my seat like a battering ram? I'm just trying to make it to my connecting flight before taking my first L of the day. Thanks for nothing, Dan and the ATX. That's great. That's strong. I kind of... I don't sympathize with parents that have toddlers, but they can't really do anything about little kids, you know, toddlers. In fact, I used to be terrified of it. I didn't want to get on a plane, especially with Jake. Jake was like this frenetic little kid. I don't think we let Jake on an airplane with us. It it didn't bother Janet at all. She didn't care. I don't think I let him fly until he was 18. Like, I just didn't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with it. Like and and once you've had kids, you have more tolerance because you know what it's like. Like back in the day when they were kids, I I would always say, it "Is is the device battery charged? Is the battery charged? Because the second you get them on the airplane, man, you stick a battery or you stick a device in their hand, something to play with, something to watch, something to occupy them, so they don't lose their bleep." I was constantly, like, just neurotic about, did you charge their devices? Same with the restaurants. Jake was out of hand at restaurants. I never, we would go to a restaurant, and we'd sit down. I'm like, menu, menu, please. Menu, please. Coke, please. Shirley Temple, please. Bob Penguin writes, my beef is with my neighbors. She is in her third trimester. Her belly ...hangs out of her crop top. His beer gut hangs out from his wife beater. They're about the same size. Please put on clothes that fit your ass. Gym master, my beef is with OGs, old guys, who don't think they are old guys. If you have received the birthday thing for your 50th, you are an OG. If you have multiple homes, money in the bank, and own a Rolodex, you are an OG. Old guys, stop acting like you're not an old guy. War old guys being able to buy and sell your sorry ass. Ron in Colorado. Hey Jim, my beef is with that TV show, Unsolved Mysteries. Why have they not aired a primetime two-hour special about our missing Alvin? War. Come home, Alvy. Keith in Wisconsin. At the Tim Bell One. I've got a beef with people, i.e., my wife, bitching about how hot it is when they have to walk from an air-conditioned office to an air-conditioned car. When I've been jumping construction in the California Central Valley for 30 years. I feel you, my man. Good point. Turtleneck Tan Man. My beef is with my mother in law. Back in 2015, when the Warriors were in the finals, she didn't watch one game and didn't pay attention at all. Now, all of a sudden, she's a huge fan. She's all over social media, posting all sorts of stuff about the dubs, like she's an expert about basketball. Hey, mother-in-law, you are the epitome of a bandwagon fan and contributing to the baggiest fan base in sports. Signed Mario in SF. War Celtics in seven. My beef is with people that call their inaugural events first annual. Newsflash, it can't be annual if it's never happened before. And no offense, but your event will probably suck and not make it to the second year anyway. Dominic S. Erypie. That's my favorite one so far. Hey, Rome. Here's my beef. I'm seeing more and more women in their 50s, 60s, and 70s with bright green, blue, purple, and fire engine red hair. Hey, grandmas, it looks stupid on teenagers. What makes you think you old broads can pull this off? You have gray hair, not candy-colored rainbow hair. Knock it off, nana. Chad from Orlando. Yo, Chad. What's going on, Chad? Hey, Rome. My beef is when I'm on vacation and the people I'm with want to do stuff that I can do at home. I didn't go through the hassle of getting on a plane just to get to my destination and spend the vacation sitting on my ass playing poker. If I wanted to do boring crap for a week, I would have stayed home. Let's party. Adam in South Jersey. Rome, my beef is with the dumpster truck guy. Every morning around 5 a.m., this dude rolls into my apartment complex and decides to empty those behemoth in seemingly the loudest and most violent way possible. Hey, a-hole, just because you hate your job doesn't mean you have to make our mornings a living hell. Freddie. In Sacktown. Chuck, what's the matter with you, dude? You look like you found out that Alvin is not coming back. Ever. Hey, Jim. I have a beef with these heifers on Match.com. Dating is hard enough without having to... <laughs> I'm going to run this back. Jim. I have a beef with these heifers on Match.com. Dating is hard enough without having to click through all of these piggies. Hey, Moo Moo. If you want a man, put down the two blue Hawaiians that you're drinking in that picture that for some reason you thought painted you in a good light and hit the gym for once. Chris in Scottsdale. James Kelly jumping in with something finally. Jimothy, my beef is with Rose from Titanic. Why does she have to throw that multi-million diamond overboard at the end? How about you hand it over to the granddaughter who is taking care of her and make her set for life? Or how about you give it to the guy... Who flew her out in a private helicopter, gave her great accommodations, and spent three years looking for the diamond. What a huge F you to those two. Rose, you're a selfish old bag and a crappy grandma for not thinking of your fam. Eric in Colorado Springs. Did I or did I not say in the beef segment you can beef about anything you want? Hey, Jim. My beef is with a guy who keeps telling you how great a show it is after you try it and don't like it, then tries to convince you to try another episode by saying things like, you are almost to the good part, and it's about to all come together. Hey, D-Bag, I've watched three episodes. I think it sucks. I don't want to endure seven hours of crap for three minutes of, wow, stop trying to waste my time. Mike in La Quinta. A lot of beef on Twitter and email today. Hey, Rome. I have a beef with the guy that beefed against his mother-in-law that's a Warriors fan. Dude, just be thankful she likes sports. My mother-in-law has to watch freaking crap like Ellen and Wheel of Fortune when she's at my place for two weeks. Aaron in Iowa. Mario, he's got a really good point. Really good point. Jim, my beef is with the dumb clones who don't know that it takes a next of kin or a parent to get the police involved in a missing person case. The person's boss is not able to do that. Know what you're talking about before you spout off. Gordo in H-Town. Thank you, Gordo. Thank you. Ding. Finally. Thank you. Jimmy, my beef is with people complaining about my 11 kids on the plane. I am doing my best to shut them up. Alvin Deloro, Haunted horse. Wait, you know something? I don't know. He's on a plane. Okay, good. It would be nice if he let me know, but good. All right, let's try the phones. It is the beef segment. I've run through Twitter. I've run through email. Let's see what we got here. Chalk, what do you like? Let's go to Detroit. Dawn
2: in the D. Hey, Dawn, what's your beef?
1: Hey, Jim, thanks
4: for the Vine. Um, my beef is basically, I'm stuck here in Detroit. Every single sports team is not worth watching. And oh, let's add a little bit of salt to it. It's a 97-degree day outside, and I'm sweating my butt off out here. Well, Alvy, come home soon. Ritz, stay lost. I'm out.
0: <laughs> Dawn in Detroit, stuck in the D. Quote, Albie, come home soon. Rit, stay lost. You know, probably it's not going to make it better, but I'll allow that. I I tend to actually agree with that. Alvy, please come home. Rit, please stay lost. Let's go to Reno. John in Reno. Hey, John, what's your beef?
3: Yeah, the Gauchos' commencement ceremony this last Saturday. With a big, humongous tree of life just sitting there. I have my David August suit on. I can't see nothing. So what do I have to do? I have to sit in the grass. Thanks. And by the way, if you and Clay had a kid, it'd be fake Clay. Come on.
0: (laughs) If me and Clay had a kid, it would be fake Clay. How could Clay and I have a kid? Why would Clay and I have a kid? And if we did, why wouldn't it be real? Come on. Hey dude, if you had a David August suit, you'd be legit. You don't have a David August suit. Nobody nobody with smack that bad can afford David August. Come on. You have to be clever and talented and smart to be able to afford gear like this. You're none of the above, my man. Come on! Just calling up this show and saying, come on, on. is not going to get you in David August's door. Believe me. I've done business with him for many, many, many years. My man David August is about as much of a grinder as anybody I know. This dude works hard. But he's got extremely wealthy clients. I'm not one of them. And he does an incredible amount of business. And his work, workmanship is amazing. But he is very expensive. But look at this shirt. I mean, how nice is this? You know how nice this shirt is? I spilled all over it this morning. And my reaction was not, come on! Come on. Actually, it was. Come on! Come on. Like, I have so much work to do off the air, in addition to on the air, but off the air, on camera today. And I spilled stuff all over this shirt. Cindy once said to me way, way back in the day, like maybe six months ago, you know, maybe you should have a backup shirt here just in case. And my response to Cindy was, Cindy, come on. Come on. Why would I need a backup shirt? I'm not, I don't eat here, really. And I'm sure not going to spill anything here. So what did I do before one of the bigger days of the year? Come on! Come on. Maybe you've seen me on Twitter promote the Ben Newman Mental Toughness Symposium. I am going to appear on that today. So I put on a nice blue shirt. And what did I do? I spilled all over it.
3: Come on! Come on.
0: But you can't see anything. We fixed it. Come on. Come on. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Scottsdale. Chris, what's your beef, Chris? Hey,
3: Jim, thanks for the vine. I got beef with a guy in Detroit who says it's hot when it's 97 degrees and he can't move out of Detroit. Here's a hint. It's 120 degrees here in Arizona. Move out of Detroit, go someplace else, and get a better sports team. War Cindy's mug, which isn't there
2: today.
0: Wow, dude, he called it. He called it. He said, "War, Cindy's mug, which is not there today. Cindy's saying, yes, it is. She's like, that reflects badly on me. It's on the other side of the glass. Do you know why the mug is not in here today? That, that dude nailed it. You notice. This is how closely this guy watches the show. Cindy's mug does make an appearance every day to start Hour 3. He nailed it. I reload for the third hour. Even James Kelly didn't know that. That guy did. The reason Cindy's mug is not here is because the jerks on the other side of the glass had her carry the beef in. Cindy brought the Tower of Beef in. Way to go, Chalk. Stay classy, dude. So her mug is on the other side of the glass. Alvy, my man, I hope you're all right wherever you are. But wherever you are and whoever has you, it'd be all right if they kept you a little longer. We're having fun, man. We are having some fun. So if you have Alvin, please treat him well. But if you want to have him a little bit longer, it's okay. Because we're having some fun. 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to San Jose, Northern California. Dan, what is your beef?
1: What's up, Rome? My beef is with people that park in disabled spots. All you clones sitting out there, oh, just for five minutes. Oh, my wife just ran inside. Oh, my grandpa's in a wheelchair, and I drive him around sometimes. It's for people with disabilities, not for people that don't want to be mildly inconvenienced. Get out of my spot.
0: I I agree with that, Dan, 100%. I If you park in a handicapped spot and you're not handicapped, you're a straight-up a-hole. You're an a-hole. You, you just are. You're a straight-up a-hole. You, you don't think that person who really is disabled would give anything to be able to walk all the way across the parking lot? Don't be an a-hole. That spot's not for you. That You know what I would say even? I'd even add that to our list of reasons to go. That guy like, I'm only going to be here a minute. You're an a-hole. You're arrogant. You're ignorant. It's a really bad, bad move. It's a reason to go. I'm telling you, if somebody is physically disabled... Trust me, they would rather have the worst spot in the entire lot and be able to walk it themselves. Don't park in their spot. And I don't, it's not even like I'm disabled or I know somebody who's disabled who's very, very close to me. It's just common sense. Don't be an idiot. Don't be a jerk. That, that actually makes me mad. I'm with that guy. Are we done, Shock? No, we're not. We have more. Let's walk it off on this one. We go to Boise. Ty in Boise. Ty, what's your
2: beef? Hey, Romy. What's going on, brother? What's up, dude? You got uh, beef? Just hanging out, man. Driving for DoorDash. I'm with that last guy. I have a different beef, but that last guy. Uh, seeing people in handicapped spots, man, makes me want to bite off a kneecap. But... Uh, my beef is with the, uh, the bag that won't uh, pay attention to people coming out of the elevator. And they, they hear that door open, and they're just like, oh, my gosh, time to walk in. Hey, idiot, there's other people that might be coming out of the elevator. Back the hell up. War Alvy coming home. I'm out.
0: War Alvy coming home. War Ritz staying wherever he is. You know what? That, that's, that's almost a reason to go. I'm not going to say that somebody deserves the hands if they do that, but that truly is one of the lowest class things imaginable. Like, aren't there universal things that we all know? That we all know? Hold a door open for a woman, or really for anybody at this point. Just hold the door open. But even that's a bad analogy. I've never, ever, for the life of me, understood People who walk onto an elevator before people who come off. I've never understood that, nor will I ever understand that. And that is not one of those things you can follow away as an honest mistake. And that's not something you have to learn. Isn't that something you just know? know? Aren't we all hardwired for that? Isn't that already in your brain when you pop out? Like when the doctor smacks you on the ass as a baby, don't you already know? Isn't that what that smacks for? Like, Whack! Let them exit the elevator before you get on. Whenever I see somebody do that, I always think that's somebody who's looking to fight. That's somebody who wants to start a fight because nobody's that stupid. Nobody would do that. It's like the most obvious thing. If there's like there's no one thing that we can all agree upon. But if we're being honest, right, we all know this. That's the one thing we all know. You do not walk onto an elevator before those within the elevator have a chance to get out. You don't learn that. You just know that. And yet people do it. I am this close to saying that that does go on our list of reasons to go. I agree with that. I really do. All right. So that's a strong beef segment. There you go.